Hello everyone and welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. I'm your host, Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster and a writer for Fresh Take Hub. And today I'm joined by both of my fellow co-hosts, Dave and Tom. How's it going, guys? What up? Going good. It's going good. Going good. Excellent to hear. So glad to have you both on because we've got a lot to discuss today. More controversy from Warner Brothers. Interviews with Ray Fish and Chris Stereo. We're obviously the cancelling of the New Gods and some also, but on the positive side, we've got some really good trailers to go into. Uh, but before we get into all of that, how are you, gentlemen? How has been the last bit, a couple of weeks been for you? It's, uh, it's been good. Been good. Been uh, mostly rewatching Bojack Horseman, carrying on with my comic read-throughs, and working on the comic that I'm attempting to write at the moment. I've actually written a few more pages for it. Granted, one of them was just like a one-page splash uh, with just one line of dialogue, but it still counts. So, yeah, it's uh, progressing nicely at the moment. Any, you want to spill any beans of what that's about? Or are you keeping that close to the mm. chest? <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping it close to the chest for now whilst I still uh, work out some kinks with it. But uh, I'll, I'll be happy to talk about it at some point uh, on the show once I've got a bit more, bit more flavor for it. Yeah, Dave, what about you? Yeah, exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, I've been doing like a lot of catching up on different content, uh, watching, you know, finishing some series, uh, going through the old Godzilla films still, which is, uh, which is always a joy, going through some very, very crazy old 60s movies as, as those evolve. And yeah, just, you know, going back to some old sort of sitcoms like Futurama. Uh, like Tom as well, I've also been like a bit more inspired creatively in terms of like fiction stuff. So while there's been a lot of superhero and sort of science fiction stuff within the past year or so, I wanted to get back into some fantasy. So uh, I was checking out a few different series. I think I started Discovery of Witches, and I do want to go back to his Dark Materials because I started that but never finished it. But that also inspired me a bit to maybe sort of look into like some uh, storytelling and world building and that kind of stuff, which I'm having fun with at the moment. So yeah, maybe there'll be... Uh, fun project i'll start up in in the future as well as amongst the many other things i'm always <laughs> working away at we should collaborate dave on a project <laughs> yeah, crossover that's what we'll do we'll cross over our two properties monsters versus aliens <laughs> is that just the sequel to cowboys versus aliens you're gonna get oh, daniel Craig. Yeah. <laughs> when are we gonna it's get that, that sequel <laughs> It's just the DreamWorks film. It's just that, you know, <laughs> the animated film with uh, aliens, monsters, and whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> just like, what if books had feelings? It's <laughs> more Pixar, but still, the point stands. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've... What have I been doing? I've tried... Well, I say try. It's not very hard to do it, but I'm slowly getting back into Star Wars mode now with uh, The Bad Batch, you know, nearly only a matter of weeks away and obviously may the fourth star wars day and all that so starting to you know go we obviously did a return to the monday Lorians that we revisited the 2d clone wars the jenny tanatovsky series which is now out on disney plus me dave and Nile, we had a really fun discussion doing that that was really good fun uh, and yeah and just starting to continuing the chronological rewatch of the clone wars animated show i'm doing that with my girlfriend uh, she's never seen it before, so I was like, oh my god. So I was like, I've got to show you this, and I've got to show you how you can appreciate the prequels even more. So yeah, we're having 
a really good fun going through that. And I think the great thing about the Clone Wars is that I think this is probably like my fourth proper watch through, like from start to finish. And no matter how many times I watch it, you always find little things or little new themes or messages that George is playing around with that I'm just like, man, this, this is a, a kid's show, and yet it's so deep on so many levels. And yeah, I just love watching this stuff. So pumped for the Bad Batch. So yeah, mainly been Star Wars for me. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Love me some Star Wars. I'm excited for Bad Batch as well. It's going to be great. And kudos as well for rewatching Clone Wars because that is some of the best Star Wars content out there, really. So I may end up watching rewatching that soon. Actually, you, you've inspired you've inspired me to do that now. Have you ever Have you ever done the chronological order? Yeah, I have. Um, it's it's the way I prefer to do it now. It's good. It's yeah. the only way it's, I can you, watch. Honestly, it. it's such. <laughs> this it's, is the way. It's, yeah, this is the way. It's such a different viewing experience. I find to actually watching it. You know, like season one, episode one, two to season 12 uh, season 7 episode 12 so yeah that's good fun oh and also um because of oh, i've been watching invincible and really loving that i was like oh, i'm getting more you know wanting to watch a bit more animation so i started watching solar opposites and i've been talking to this about dave i, w- I was like okay this is you know there's not that many episodes it's on disney plus i'll check it out For, i've never seen rick and morty but it was justin roiland the creator of rick and morty after one episode, I fell in love, and I was like, "This is fucking great!" <laughs> and I basically binged the whole season and like the start of season two in the less than twenty-four hours. So uh, that is fantastic animation. I recommend everyone check that out. And even though you didn't recommend it to me, Dave, I, I messaged you saying, "Oh, I've, you should check this out." You were like, "Oh, I am, I am deep into this show." Mm. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, I am so. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been loving. It. Have you seen that um, show, Tom? No, so I haven't. I keep seeing it advertised around, so I probably will pick it up at some point. Um, I'm, I mean, clearly you love it, so I mean, I probably will definitely give it a watch, especially if it can be binged that quickly. Uh, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm not doing anything this weekend. I'll just binge the whole thing. <laughs> It's just great for references as well. There's so many science and fiction and fantasy references, different films and franchises. So it's just great for that. But yeah, it's it's a great comedy. I think it just works on a lot of different levels. Really clever. I, I do. Really I do it. enjoy Rick and Morty anyway. So uh, I yeah, be good to uh, yeah see a bit more. Just that that was the thing I was worried about. Is that is this just going to be Rick and Morty light? But I would sort of compare it to like American Dad, Family Guy. They're quite different shows but quite similar humor at the same time, so. Yeah, well, I've never seen Rick and Morty, so I had no sort of expectation of what this show would be going in. But now, after having watched this show, I'm now going to, you know, watch Rick and Morty because I know all the all seasons are on Netflix, so I'll be going through that at some point. And plus, it's the Dan Harmon thing, so, I mean, Dan Harmon is, is always amazing. Yeah. Him and Justin Roiland together is just chef's kiss as you usually say <laughs> yeah yes yes exactly tom would be glad to know that i finally finished community like recently as well i can't remember if i said that previously so and that was nice to like watch the season finale and and everything with that one so that was capping off that uh sitcom watch through did you start that like back in lockdown one or something um possibly i can't remember exactly when i did like i had seen up till series five years ago anyway but i just never seen six so yeah i i know i, I, no, I it's pretty much like September-ish, I think I started watching back. Yeah, season six is a great season. Nice. Anyway, we should probably crack on. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So, yeah, we've got plenty to cover. So let's go into the news. 
Tear up page one, run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photo. So, last week, uh, this interview dropped by Ray Fisher in The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, this comes off the heels of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And then the Warner, Me- Warner Media CEO, Anne Sarnoff, gave an interview with Variety, I think, it be- I believe, where she stated that they're moving on. It was nice that Zack got to complete his cut. We settled the Ray Fisher thing. Walter Marder is a person of color, so there's no way he can be racist, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, then it was revealed that Ray Fisher is not under an NDA anymore, and his lawyer came out issuing a statement confirming that. So everybody was like, oh... Is Ray Fisher going to spill the beans? And he has. So he's now delivered this interview to Hollywood Reporter. So much here was revealed about his experiences on set with Joss Whedon in the reshoots for Justice League, about some of the racist moments he encountered on set, insensitivity to his race, how Cyborg was portrayed, how Booyah was a real issue. With so much stuff, we got, we got some revelations about Gal Gadot and the threats from Joss Whedon saying that he would ruin her career, apparently making fun of Patty Jenkins. Even um, Regé Jean Page got dragged into this, uh, the guy from Bridgerton, uh, into the contention to possibly play Superman's grandfather in the Krypton show because apparently Jeff Johns didn't want a black man to play Superman's grandfather. Jeff Johns, you know, was defending himself through his spokesperson, saying he was married to a black woman before and now married to an Asian woman now. So, so there's a lot in this article to, to really consume here. <laughs> there's so much going on. I, I go out to you guys. So what were you surprised by or maybe not surprised by? And I think this is, in essence, a pulling back of the curtain of what it's actually like to look at the inner workings of a studio when it's confronted something like this, as the overall society is now transitioning away from a certain attitude towards people of color, to, you know, to a more open and receptive attitude, uh, and now you know people, com- you know, concerning their complaints about how their characters are portrayed on screen. So, uh, Dave, do you want to go ahead first? What's your f- overall so- thoughts on this, and where do you want to start? Because there's just so much to cover here. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, to me, it wasn't that surprising because I had said that, you know, from what I had seen of Ray Fisher, I th- thought that he seemed like a really nice, really genuine guy. Even in the Whedon cut, I sort of was struck by his charisma and his acting ability. And obviously, we just got to see that times 10 in the Snyder cut. So while, I, you know, I don't want to name any names or at anybody sometimes you will get actors or certain performers or those in the media who you think well you know is that are you exaggerating it because there can be those who are just after fame or headlines or want to stir things up a bit and you know Ray Fisher never struck me as one of those type of people so I always felt that what he was saying even though there wasn't any specific examples seemed to be true and especially once more people came forward because again it was the type of thing of like well why would you lie about that why would you say all of these things especially when it's something concerning race. I don't think there's many people out there who would lie about something like that. So all of that really sort of came at no shock to me. I think that it's it, it struck a chord with me particularly, and I think that's where it'll do the same for a lot of other people, I think. And it will make people think about not just the Hollywood industry, but work environments as a whole. You can often have a lot of people who will 
work in certain environments and people will just be like oh well that's just what he's like that's you know that he's your boss you need to get on with it and you know like sometimes you will have very like aggressive management or you will have people will tell you like oh well we're sorry this happened to you but you just have to deal with it you know and as somebody who has dealt with situations like that from very big companies in which it's a kind of just like uh well too bad kind of mentality and a well this gets the job done even though this person is potentially abusive or verbally a horrible person they kind of just oversee it because that person is doing a greater good on the whole which again i'm not saying is always um a bad well okay it's usually a bad thing but i'm not disagreeing with their logic that sometimes you do have to make certain exceptions if somebody is you know doing a good job etc but when it does come down to the the way that somebody feels working somewhere or makes them feel you know not as part of the team or they're not being listened to then that's where you start to get problems and that's what this situation screams to me is that just you know you can tell the ray fisher just wasn't happy and there's nothing in particular there like here is where a crime has been committed this is where somebody has done something very specific that is you know needs to be highlighted and again that's where i've experienced many situations like that where people say well what happened what did what did they do to you write down the exact moment you're like there's no exact moment there's not like anything particularly they didn't punch me in the face they didn't you know drag me across the floor they didn't like shout at you in you know the middle of the set but it can just be lots of little things lots of little passing comments just the way they talk to you or to other people and i think that it just goes to show you need to think about like one, the way you act in your workplace, and two, like listen to you know those around you and your colleagues, etc. Especially when it comes to things like race. Obviously, this has become a bigger thing now. People will say, "Hey, you were writing a story about a trans person. You were writing this film about an autistic person. Why did you not talk to this community about it? Why did you not take the advice of somebody of that background?" And I think that that is definitely the case with Ray Fisher. He's come along and said hey as a person of this background you might want to know that i've got an issue with this and then to turn around and go well uh we're just gonna not listen to you because my son likes that aspect or that like i'm not racist because like i'm married to this person so i'm just gonna ignore what you think because i think it's okay it's just very tone deaf so i think ultimately obviously i I think the entire drama before it for all those involved had hindered their careers anyway but this just to me just solidifies everything it it puts more specific examples so for me personally again you know tom will know that you know we spoke about age of ultron on welcome movies and you know i'll I'll still you know defend that film and say that it's a fun avengers movie but i don't see it as like this is joss whedon's baby you know that film encompassed many people loads of people worked on that film Um, and i'm not just going to write off anything that joss whedon has ever done because again i think that those products can live outside of that creator and i can still appreciate what they did at that time but that's not to say that i don't think that joss whedon has become a massive massive asshole and personally i think the things that he has obviously said are very he's he's clearly got too big for his boots you know saying things like oh well i'm able to tell robert downey jr you know what to do and all this kind of stuff and coming onto the set and and that bit that really struck me was the like can you say the line can you say the line and when he did it and oh, i can't remember the exact well, comment when he was and patronizing he was like, him oh, with shakespeare oh, 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 reading that i was Whoa. yeah when he said you know like we're gonna do it today and all this kind of stuff like that is so passive aggressive and just 
I can imagine being there. I've been in those situations in which you're just like, you're such a dick. And the sad thing is, a lot of the time, there will be about, I don't know, say you got a room of 30 people, probably about 25 people on that in that room. Like, yeah, well done. Oh, nice joke there, Joss. You know, etc. Which is the sad horrible reality of these situations so the more people can speak up and say look i'm not dealing with this anymore and i think personally again i think ray fisher is still you know he's still working in television and that kind of stuff even if he can't get as big an acting career i think that he would be a great advocate to start being some form of activist or for you know like becoming a voice for those who are suppressed and for like working environments and kind of like i don't know maybe like a, a Greta thumberg for uh for sort of race and bullying and that kind of stuff i think that he really has done well in handling this situation and sort of being very frank and and honest about it which i think is fantastic they very very politely said mm. politely said much much more <laughs> politely than than i probably would have said uh tom what are your uh thoughts on this situation and this article? uh dave summed up a lot of uh points that i probably want to make that like definitely i think overall i i'm not totally unsurprised by the revelations that have come from what ray fisher have said but equally i am at the same time because just the extent of it is is quite staggering and now we're learning like all these other stories like we said about gal gadot like joss whedon threatening her career all these comments jeff jones jeff johns is making who has really gone down in my estimations jeff johns I used to love him. I loved his work for, for DC. He's written some of my all-time favorite DC stories. Like Dave said, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be able to like not enjoy them anymore. I still will, but I definitely think that man is a prick. And I'm, I'm being less polite than Dave, but that's just because I think everyone involved here, with the exception for like Ray Fisher and everyone else who's been the victim of this, they're all pricks. Like If a person of color comes up and tells you, all this shit you're doing, is, is, is it's racist. You listen to them. You don't just like shut them down, threaten to end their career, belittle them, patronize them. Like if anything, you're just reinforcing the point. And again, like Dave said, I I never once doubted Ray Fisher from from the beginning. Like I used to like Joss Whedon and his work. Same with like I said, Jeff Johns was one of my favorite writers. But when all this came out. It was very clear that he wasn't lying because, like, the way I see it is no one was saying that, like, Cyborg was the reason that Whedon Cut was so bad. It wasn't like the entire hate campaign on that film was centered around him. So he had no, like Dave said, he had no reason to lie about this. So the fact that people were so slow to believe him in the start just, like, astounds me. And yeah, I just I can only hope that this is going to lead to some real change in in Warner Brothers, and that they'll like take a proper look themselves. And hopefully, Joss Whedon doesn't get much more work in the future as well. I'm definitely not going to be picking up anything of his ever again. So yeah, as I said, just like it, it was both unsurprising and and quite surprising, and I, I just appalled. Are pretty much everyone at Warner Brothers involved in this. And the fact that they like tried to sweep it under the rug and say, like, oh, we did a full investigation, uh, everything's been dealt with, it's all fine. It's just it just does not sit well with me because like at the moment that's telling me that they're not planning on making any wide sweeping changes, just the performative ones like disavowing Joss Whedon, maybe pushing aside like jo Jeff Jones a bit. 
But hopefully now with this interview and the further interview that's coming with Empire as well, maybe this will start to see a bit more of a pushback against Warner Brothers and maybe we'll actually see some proper changes there so that this doesn't happen again. Because, you know, Ray Fisher probably thought he hit the jackpot being able to play Cyborg in Justice League. It was his first, like, major role, really, and Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio were taking real care to, like, really do a service to the character, and that whole experience for him has been completely shattered and ruined, and I think that that is, like, really disappointing in of itself. So I hope he's able to bounce back from this. I hope that, like, he'll still be able to get some work after all this is, like, done and dusted or even whilst it's still going, because I'd like to see more of Ray Fisher in the future. I'd like to see more of Cyborg in the future, if I'm honest. Yes. Well, that entire Flash situation was horrible. Just, you know, like the, the mm. sort of cameo comment and stuff like that. That, that again, just like you said, Tom, just goes to show again, he's got this like promising look ahead as what his career could be. And then to see it like shrunk down like that is just like. Exactly. And, and it is almost like they're punishing him in a way for having the goal to stand up for himself and tell them what you're doing isn't right. But I, th- I think this is definitely not going to be the last we're going to hear about this. I think we'll be talking about this next week again, probably, or some other massive controversy from Warner Brothers, because it seems like every time they make some like good decisions recently, just something comes out where it's like, oh, actually, no, they, they're still not learning all their lessons. But yeah, so <laughs> I have to wait and see what next week brings. Both of you have pretty much covered a lot of what I wanted to say. I probably just <laughs> probably would have said it a bit more aggressively aimed at Warner Brothers. The the problem I have, the main issue I have here, though, is that even though I completely admire Ray Fisher for coming out and saying everything they needs to, but the problem is is that Warner Brothers are still being dicks about this because all all his takes about the booyah and stuff like that, you know, they keep bringing up old tweets of like, oh, but you said that, you know, when you first got signed on to... um, uh, cyborg, you t- you tweeted booyah and stuff like that, and I'm like, that's a completely different fucking thing. Don't start bringing in old tweets to combat yourself. You know, how about we fucking listen to the guy? Okay, how about we listen to this guy's concerns? And look, the biggest takeaway I have from this article is that I really hope it wakes people the fuck up about what actually goes on in Hollywood. You know, there's a lot of critiques of people that go, oh, Hollywood's very, you know, left and liberal and all of that. And this goes to show that is not the case, you know. There's plenty of top executives in these studios who are very conservative, who have very conservative views. And, you know, as you can see from this article, some of them have some racist views. Maybe not overtly racist, but it's an insensitivity to race in general and not understanding what the bigger play is here. So Joss Whedon is a piece of shit. And, I, and I, I, he's a complete piece of shit. And, and you can call Joss Whedon a piece of shit and a dick. But also, he's not the anomaly, okay? And that's what I hope, again, people wake up. He's not the exception to a rule. A lot of directors have been like this for decades, okay? And in this situation, it's not that they were overtly racist, as I said. It's an incest, incent, oh, insensitive to race. Like, the blueprint was there, by, as you mentioned, um, Tom. Zack Snyder, Chris Terrio created a, a, a blueprint of this a blueprint of this character. 
Two white guys involved, but they understood that this is a black character. This is going to be the first big black superhero on screen. You have to remember, this film was supposed to come out, well, it did come out before Black Panther, you know. So they built this character from the ground up with Ray Fisher. And then Joss Whedon comes in with an arrogance of approaching a project like this rather than collaborate, collaborating. And it seems very much like Joss Whedon's like, you're going to kiss my ass, I'm going to do whatever I want, and you're going to like it. This is, this is an old school mentality and it needs to fucking die once and for all so we can have more collaborative efforts and healthy workplaces to, on sets and stuff like that. And I think this article is so important of highlighting it. And, you know, and throughout this article, you see a lot of, oh, I'm Lebanese-American. Oh, Walter Hamada is Asian. He couldn't possibly be racist. Oh, I, I used to work for Obama as a lawyer. All that shit needs to fucking stop. Okay? Stop it. Just because you are a person of color does not mean you get to discredit anyone else's experience of racism. This is one black man's experience. Focus on that and listen to him. I'm tired of this shit. And I'm, you know, I'm just not surprised at all. And people need to wake the fuck up. This is what goes on in Hollywood. And like, again, I have to really, really appreciate Ray Fisher's agency here because as a young black actor in Hollywood with his first big role, wanting to fight here that's so commendable you know there's and there's impl impl implications in the article as well that people people in charge of warner brothers at the time you know when all this was going on thought that zack schneider was manipulating ray fisher you know first of all trying to bring zack schneider into this for no reason by this point he is away from the project he is dealing with his own personal tragedy how dare you and then by saying he's manipulating ray fisher that takes away his agency which I think is racist in itself. Like I said, it's not overtly racist, but it's a huge insensitivity to race. So all I'm saying is that we need to do better here, and I hope this article, and you know, like you said, Tommy's got another article coming out in Empire soon. I hope this can be the start of a big change in Hollywood. And very much like John Boyega last year during the Black Lives Matter protests in Hyde Park, you know, he said some things I may, I may never work again, but this shit needs to be said. And absolutely, I commend him for it. And look, now he's got loads of movies and projects coming up. And I really, really hope the same happens for Ray Fisher because, yeah, like Dave said, we, we saw what the potential he had in Justice League in the 2017 version, but then you get to see it in full force, in full four hours in Zack Snyder's Justice League. And you're like, this man is so talented. He needs to have a career. So, yeah, I'm sorry if I got a bit, you know... Uh, um, angry there, but th this stuff really, really angers me. And you know, if I'm not angry, I'm crying. So, <laughs> well, if it's the, the 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 anger was warranted, so I'm okay with it. Um, it's it's like you know, and it'll be interesting to see how the series goes in terms of Falcon and Winter Soldier because it's often you know like with that it, the character of Carrie, you know, she says we have to act this way because you know they don't listen to any other type of language which is very true that's why it's such a real scenario in that series in which by going oh, okay well you know we'll like quietly ask that you please stop like disrespecting our people doesn't work and you know that's what like works for that character and stuff is that in some ways yeah you know it's it's like the 
uh, climate protests they had like a few you know years ago you know when they literally just stand in front of trains and stuff and yeah sure you know if i was there like trying to get to work i'd probably be pissed that day but at the end of the day what you know it it gets people's attention it makes people you know realize oh wow you know okay these people are really passionate about it and it's the same thing as the the ray fisher situation the john Baega. they literally need to like shout and scream about it and say up yours if they're actually got going to get any change and i think that's the sad thing is that it's not actually like a a changing of rules or the way companies operate it's just a cultural change it's just the way that people like go about themselves how they act and like you said jake you know should these be people be at the top should they be ceos especially when a lot of them will have the mentality of like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? Oh, well, wouldn't, you know, like, wouldn't people like this? Oh, well, Marvel's being, like, more lighthearted. And this, like, force this, like, dark, moody, different film to then be lighthearted. And I think that's what's completely understandable about this situation is, again, and I think it really shows a naivety on terms of Warner Brothers, and that's where you guys have been saying that they need to shake things up because definitely I think this is one of, like, the worst public scenarios that any film company has had for being how transparent it is because it just screams kind of like a team of people are there they've got their manager and then the manager has to leave and the new manager comes in and everyone's like we don't like this you know and and that person was joss whedon in that scenario and he comes in and mixes things up and changes everything and understandably people go we don't like what you're doing i don't like what you're now asking me to do and that's what's happened here and i think that it's incredibly naive for warner brothers to just go oh well that's fine we'll just sweep it under the rug and uh, we'll do better next time it's like no you need to like realize what you have and what you plan to do you know you can't just change a project halfway through i think that's why again all of this just highlights what a stupid stupid idea the joss whedon cut was in the first place and and it just backs up you know the fact that zach had to leave the project in the first place he says you know there's obviously the the personal family tragedy he went through but all of that was being made worse by warner brothers pressuring him to change the film and to alter things which is really sad as well so again it's not surprising that all these other people then have bad experiences of the poor decisions the warner brothers made in the first place it's very it's very school school playground stuff isn't it it's like like you were saying jake in terms of the like you know like oh well you said this and he said that and you know it's just like grow up be like you know you are a company at the end of the day whatever you know people want to say about disney at the end of the day they stood up and said hey this woman is uh, causing an image which we don't like bye-bye you know like i'm fired her they just dealt with it and they didn't want to deal with that aggro so warner brothers needs to like big up and make some big you know statements like that themselves if they don't want to keep getting themselves involved in this the problem i have with this dave is that i'll i'll give disney the pass on the gina carano thing okay but they fucked up before okay and this is the problem i have with a lot of these companies not just movie studios just corporations in general they're all very quick you know to throw out posts and statements uh, against racism you know here at this company we do not stand or tolerate for any kind of racism and you think do you though do you though because then you hear all these stories of people of real life people in real life situations of how they've been treated how they've been handled because of race let's not beat around the bush Th then do you truly stand against racism i don't think you do i don't think you do mm. it's all kinds of stuff as well isn't it like the sexism stuff with gal Gadot is really really horrific and obviously that i think seemed to be settled but she definitely had some problems 
And without sidetracking too much, it's kind of like the Piers Morgan stuff with ITV, wasn't it? That they're like, hey, this program is brought to you by mind. We're trying to like, you know, make this big message about how mental health is important. And then you've got this guy literally on TV, like spouting crap about how somebody like saying that they were suicidal is absolute bullshit. How can a program which is meant to be affiliated with a mental health charity have somebody saying that? And it goes the same here, you know, how can a company which is meant to, you know, hold these certain values and hold these certain professional attributes then have these people operate in the way they do or, or working in the environment that they they are so again i yeah i definitely not saying that disney are the saints i think that the entire industry needs to to realize that because they've made a lot of mistakes in the past as well so hopefully there's a massive learning curve here and uh they they get their shit together tom anything else um no i mean i, th- I, th- I think we've uh all hit the nail on the head here. Just basically, Warner Brothers need to get this shit together. Also, I, I will say just uh, what one complaint I had about uh, everything that Dave was saying was when you say Joss Whedon and WB like altered or made changes, it sounds too nice and playful. When in actual fact, what they did was they took the movie, ripped it apart, wiped their asses on it, and then used that as the script. Um, well, as Chris Terrio says, they vandalized it. Yeah. I mean, Chris Terry was basically just said, like, my name might be on there, but it was only because it was going to be way too much hassle and cost to, like, have his name removed from the film because of how close it was to being released. But he doesn't want to be affiliated with that cut at all because you can believe it looking at the Snyder cut. It's not the same film. I mean, same basic plot beats, but it's not the same film. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really touched on the Chris Terry of it all, but I think I think that's enough for today. Because, uh, <laughs> but yeah, people should definitely check out the Chris Terry article. He also talks about his struggle during, you know, Justice League for different reasons, obviously very different reasons, but nonetheless important to take uh, to take into and read and highlight and you know. It just goes to show that how petty really the industry is. And also, I feel like it does back up like Ray Fisher's claims, like not so much in the way of like it's him saying like I like you said, he's it's a very different thing what he's complaining about. But it's like if you're looking at how WB acted with him and then then all of a sudden like Ray Fisher's arguments are not that hard to like believe because there's like a clear culture there of just problematic shitbags. Continuing on the train of problematic shit bags. <sighs> this is why I, w- I wanted to put I wanted to put all the shit news at the beginning to get it out of the way, and then we can talk about the good stuff. So this is ob- uh, obviously nowhere near as important as the stuff we've been discussing, but nonetheless, it is frustrating as comic book fans, as pop culture fans, and that is Warner Brothers and DC have cancelled two movies that were in the pipeline. First one being the Trench. Who really cares? Uh, but the, <laughs> but the, the, the main one that everyone is obviously very saddened by is The New Gods, which was in development by Ava DuVernay and Tom King. Apparently, this I don't know if this is actually confirmed by Warner Brothers, but apparently the reason for the cancellation was because they wanted to distance themselves from the Snyderverse and Darkseid had obviously just, uh, just appeared in Zack Snyder's Justice League. I don't know if that is the case because if that is the case, first of all, you've you've said the Zack Snyder's Justice League is no longer canon, so why should that make an impact going forward with these characters? Second of all, 
Zack Snyder's Justice League has just been a huge hit on you, for you. You know what I mean? Pe loads of people are talking about Darkseid. Fucking capitalize on that and make a new Gods movie because people want to see more of this dudes. The, right, for us nerds, obviously we can tell the difference between which Darkseid's in which universe and obviously you can make the argument there is only one Darkseid throughout the multiverse. I get that. But at the same time, general fans don't really know or give a shit. They just probably want to see this big, cool rock dude again. <laughs> so I have no idea. Uh, excuse me, we're getting Black Adam. We are getting the big rock dude. Hey. You know what I mean. <laughs> Them thighs. Um, so yeah, I have no idea what the thinking is behind the cancellation of this, especially when you have a talents like Duvernay and Tom King working on it. I mean, this all the ingredients for this stew, uh, you know, this is going to be a good stew, but you're like, nah, throw it out. Uh, Tom, I go to you first. Where do you go with this? Well, I'll start off, like, talking about the trench. I mean, I wasn't, like, super, super hyped for that film. When they first announced it hot off the heels of Aquaman, I was kind of like, why? But then a part of me has always been like, well, you know, the trench does look kind of, like, creepy, and it's James Wan, so, I mean, that could actually be a recipe for a damn good film. So I was intrigued, um, and now to hear that I'm not going to have that intrigue paid off, I'm a bit like, huh, I'm a bit sad now. I didn't know I, I, I wanted this, but apparently I did, so I'm quite angry that uh, we're no longer getting the trench. Um, as for New Gods, I am... If I'm angry about the trench, I am so, so angry about this one. I mean, like like, like you said, okay, so Darkseid is pretty much a multiversal being, so they could have gotten away with doing a Darkseid film without making any connection to the Snyderverse, with the exception of the fact that it's Darkseid there, and, you know, Granny Goodness decides the other ones that we may have seen on screen, although I couldn't recall any other ones. And like you said, with, with Ava DuVernay and Tom King, it would have been a damn good film. It would have been something truly epic. It's like something I've always wanted to see adapted to the big screen because like the original comic is just so epic. It's like it's just cosmic storytelling on the grandest scale and it's Kirby at his absolute like wildest and best. It deserves to have Ava DuVernay directing it and writing it with Tom King. So, yeah, like, it just doesn't make sense to me because, like, you can make the film without making any connection to the Snyderverse because if it's maybe based on, like, how the New Gods came to be, you just focus on Apocalypse and... Fuck, I've forgotten the name of the other planet now. Um, New Genesis. New Genesis, that's the one, thank you. Like, you just focus on that. Because there's so much stuff there that, like, you don't need to connect it to anything wider because there's so much lore there. And I just, I'm shocked. Even in the original run, when the new gods do go to Earth, they don't encounter any of the DC heroes. They're just on Earth, causing shit. You know what I mean? Uh, Dave, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think you guys are obviously going to be more experts on the, the new gods kind of stuff. Um, I do laugh and I, you know, I do agree with Jake, unfortunately, with the trench. I was never on board with that, especially once I saw Aquaman, unfortunately, because I wasn't like as big a fan of that film. And it did always kind of scream to me of that kind of idea of, hey, wouldn't it be funny if uh, this person had a film or this background character had a series? And, it's, you know, we'll see how some of them pan out. But 
again, it's it's like when they do say, oh yeah, we're gonna have a a series of this, and you know, when, I suppose maybe like DC, they're like, hey, a Krypton TV show, and I'm like, cool, I don't care, and you know, it's it's that kind of you know. So, yeah, I'm 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 not sad to see that go. Really, I just felt that it always kind of seemed like a a project just randomly announced to never actually come to fruition. Uh, New Gods. Again, I didn't. I don't know enough about the New Gods. I never kind of heard about it and thought of it as a standalone story. I was like, oh, okay, you know, if it's dealing with these characters again, I, to me, I thought it was like, oh, well, you know, it'd be like doing a Thanos film or something like that. I thought these were like the, you know, the villains and stuff, so they'd be a part of a part of the bigger story, etc. Obviously, I'm wrong. <laughs> but, no, you're you know, right, Dave. I'm, they they should they but, should have made this a franchise. They should have made a franchise of New Gods stuff. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is I think maybe in some ways I I think that this, they have said like they shelved them. So I think that they could still be liked at the end of the tunnel. I'm just not sure if like fans or casual viewers would be ready for something like this yet. Because again, you, and you can't even say, oh, they haven't established the DC universe yet because they clearly don't even want to establish a universe because they're so focused on telling individual stories and shelving and chucking actual team films and that kind of stuff so that's the weird thing about it is that you can't say that they are they're not ready because they haven't established the universe enough yet but at the same time you know they they don't seem to be going with a clearly marvel approach of like this is the timeline kind of aspect so I'm torn on the fact of... I, I, I still think that it seems like the kind of project that would maybe benefit once we've experimented a bit more within the DC universe, once we've maybe seen a bit more of like the Justice League, characters like Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, those kind of characters. And ultimately, I'm kind of just happy that Ava DuVernay doesn't get sort of burned again i would hate to see her on a project that would kind of be meddled with or would not be given the financial backing it needs or would sort of come out and sort of flop at the box office because it didn't have the correct push behind it or advertising campaign whichever way you want to say it because again we just talked about how problematic things are at warner brothers so i'd hate for somebody like ava duvernay to have her project meddled with or you know changed like I said, after the fact that she's had, you know, she like walked away from Black Panther. She was involved in Wrinkle in Time over in Disney. That didn't like do very well box office wise. So I'd kind of be happier to see her in something like a bit safer to sort of get her back to this. Well, not even get back. She should just be at this level of a Patty Jenkins of this fantastic director, which you can see from the documentaries and uh, Selma you can see from that film that what an accomplished and fantastic director she is, but she hasn't had a chance to show that yet in a blockbuster. And I'm not sure if new gods was really the film to do that in. So I'm happy for her to like go away, work on some other stuff and come back to something like this. So like you guys, I'm still excited. I'd love to see it, but uh, I think maybe just for the tone and what they're going for with DC, it'd maybe be better. This come along later. It's kind of like guardians of the galaxy or something. I'm not sure like they would have been best having that in phase one or something like that. But I do also question this whole idea of like, oh, well, the Snyderverse is not canon. 
because you've admitted yourself that nothing is really canon. You've you've said that these are all different stories and Joker, they all happen. But it does also come down to, again, what we were just talking about, there's obviously a lot of pettiness and a lot of childish stuff going on at Warner Brothers in which they were like, well, I was on the side of Jeff Johns and Whedon. And, you know, like, I don't like Zaxxon. You know, it's very much they don't like the project because of personal feelings, not as much of, like, the actual, like, this is what I believe the vision should be or these are the characters I'd like to see going forward. But like Tom said, I think there's there's no reason why you would look at, like, Snyder's version of Darkseid and those characters and go, uh, yeah, we we can't do that now because they... Why would you just... They're, they're going to look the same, you know, pretty much whatever, unless you went with some really bizarre adaptation of them. So, and people can watch it and go, if they want to headcanon it as a part of the Snyderverse, then cool. And if they don't, then that's fine as well. But I'm sure their design wouldn't be that drastically different that you couldn't decide yourself whether you wanted to be canon or not. So, yeah, I think that that's bizarre as well. But I, I think I slightly pushed back on you on, like, this not being the film for Ava DuVernay to come back to a big franchise because I don't know. I, I, I don't buy your justification. I think why not? I think she's had enough time now since a wrinkle in time. You know, it's, you know, the sting of that has, you know, nobody talks about it anymore. So that's gone. Right. She's done some really successful work since then. You know, when they see us on Netflix is fucking incredible. So, and judging from her statements, you know, when this news came out, it looked like she was totally into this project and she was completely dedicated to it along with Tom King's statement. You know, they looked like they were totally in. And I also say if people constantly saying, oh, we want new franchises, we want new things and stuff for that. New Gods is right there, man. You know, you can do, Zack Snyder said Justice League was like Lord of the Rings. You could truly do a DC version of Lord of the Rings with the new. And have so many like side series coming off of it as well. Like a Mr. Miracle series. Exactly. Like, but when you haven't even like got Superman right again, you know, not as Ava DuVernay as a studio. No, I get that. I get that. But, you know, but at the same time, you know, you still have to keep on. Why keep focusing on Superman and Batman? Do you know what I mean? Like we love those characters. Yes. But come on, you have a whole library here of so much content and, you know, IP to do. Utilize it. You own it. Like it's just it's right there. The stuff is literally in print. Just do it. Like, I don't see anything holding you guys back. You know, even do a fucking series, HBO Max, if you're, you know, worried it's going to get a bit more risky, stuff like that. Just throw it on HBO Max, pump the money into there. You know, the part that made it sting a bit more was that in Tom King's statement, he mentioned, oh, I'm so sad you guys won't get to see that scene between Mr. Miracle and Big Barbie. And I was like, fuck you, Warner Brothers. You just taken that away from me. <laughs> and they, they've done this and they're going to get off scot-free. See what I did there? See what I did there? Oh, Tom. I, I'm oh, a genius. Tom. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Last bit of DC news. We have a trailer for the very much anticipated... Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. This is going to be a two-parter. This is part of DC's animated universe. Tom, I go to you first. What did you think of this trailer? And are you as big of a fan as of The Long Halloween as I am? <laughs> um, I have mixed feelings about this trailer. Um, I'm a huge Long Halloween fan. It's one of my... If not, it might possibly be my favorite Batman story, actually. It's just stellar from start to finish. The uh, the Thanksgiving issue is one of my favorites, just because of uh, that little moment between Batman and uh, 
Killer Croc towards the end. Uh, I won't spoil it for anyone who wants to end up watching the film because I'm hopefully hoping that moment's going to be in. It's just really nice. And just like it's it's just a great comic because you get to like have a good look at pretty much all of Batman's like rogues gallery. And there's this really, really great mystery like wrapped over it constantly keeps you guessing until right at the end when you realize it could have only been this way all along. Uh, So I was really, really excited when I heard that they were making it. I was even more excited when I heard Jensen Ackles was going to be voicing Batman because I love Jensen Ackles. I've wanted to see him in Cape Shit for so long. It's just been annoying that his supernatural schedule has been so airtight that, I mean, he he auditioned for Captain America and also Star-Lord, and I'm pretty sure he's probably auditioned for many other roles, but it's never worked out. So I'm I'm hoping maybe this will be his foot in the door and that maybe, in, especially with the boy season three, with him playing a soldier boy, I'm hoping to see more of him in the future. So I thought he comes across great in this. I like his take on the Batman so far. Obviously, I'll have to like gauge a full opinion when I actually see the film because you can only get so much from the trailers, obviously, but I liked what I was hearing. My... One sort of issue is is really the art style, and obviously it's this new art style that they're using for the animated stuff now. I think I, I think I mentioned this to you, Jake, the other day. It's just like it kind of reminds me of Archer in a way, the way the art looks, and I don't think it quite works, especially when you compare it to Tim Sale's artwork in the comics, which is some of the best art in any Batman book. I mean, granted, I wasn't expecting them to like recreate Sale's art for the animated thing, because I think that would be quite difficult and maybe wouldn't work as well. But I just don't like this new style of animation they're going for. I think it just, I don't know, just, it aches me. I don't like looking at it. But I I think as well, it just, in some places, it seemed a bit rigid. The animation didn't seem to flow that nicely. But uh, hopefully when the full movie comes out, maybe it won't actually be as bad. Maybe this trailer just didn't show it in all its glory. But in, in any case, I'm going to be watching it as soon as it comes out. I'm very excited. What do you think, Dave? Uh, yeah, I think it's a case of once, you know, with these animated films, I think it's hard to gauge really from like trailers, especially when it's like under two minutes. From what I've seen, it looks very much like a lot of the other animated movies. It looks fun. Uh, the voice work seems to be good. But until you see it like fully within the story, Unlike you guys, like I said, I haven't really got any like personal history with uh, the storyline of Long Halloween. So I'm I'm excited for it in the sense that this seems to be used as a way to maybe get people more pumped and hyped about the Batman. Uh, because there's elements of that which a lot of people have speculated is be- based on this story as well. So I kind of almost don't mind too much if this is kind of a lighter version of the story. Um, because if they just want to use it as a basis of here's the basics of the story and here's getting people familiar with these elements and these characters so that people can sort of familiarize themselves more before the Batman. But also, yeah, I don't have too much of an issue with the the art style. I think that it does quite suit Batman. I think that obviously they they want to step away from the, the look that they had with the Flashpoint storyline or universe whatever you want to call that so that they they want to make these uh, animated films look different in that way so i'm glad that these are now looking different to what they they used to in which they looked very sort of sometimes very generic 
And I think that this style kind of suits the look of Gotham, the very bold designs. It does sort of fit in what, what they've done with the Superman and Wonder Woman films that they've been ma- making. But as long as in the, the future we start to get a few more variations of art style and, and cartoon style, I think that, you know, it'll, it'll keep the animated stuff fresh um, and it'll give people what they want, which is an introduction to these stories or some form of adaptation of these stories without having like a 10 episode series or something like that, which is probably what they would need in a lot of cases. But yeah, and I and like Tom, you know, I'm 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 excited to see like Jensen Axel's <laughs> Jensen Axel's as <laughs> uh, as the as Batman. It's always fun to see like a new actor take on the role and. Yeah, it's a good point about him being a soldier boy in The Boys as well. It's a it's a good way to see him in some cape shit before we see him in some some more crazy cape shit. So I think that that, that that's a good point as well. So yeah, from what I've seen, it, it looks quite good. But I I don't have the 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 history or knowledge of the 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 co- original comic to have too higher opinion yet. You should read it. That's um that's fair enough. I mean. As, you know, me being the the Batman crazy fan that I am, I've obviously read this several, several, several times. I can't tell you how many times I've read this book. I wouldn't say it's my favorite Batman story, but it's definitely up there with, you know, within the top five, maybe even top three. I like the fact that they're splitting it into two parts. So to me, that shows they're giving the respect and the the dedication to this story, the respect that it deserves, very much like they did with The Dark Knight Returns. And, you know, properly fleshing out that story into two parts, not cramming anything into 80 minutes. So I really like that, what they're doing here. The animation style, I am more on Tom's side. I am not a fan of this new animation style. Uh, Granted, I appreciate they want to change things up a bit to move away from the sort of Flashpoint universe they created or the, the new 52 sort of continuity universe. I'm all good for the change of the design, but this is a completely change of animation style you know down to the drawing of the characters and stuff like that and you know there's just something about it that i can't connect with i don't know what it is yet um i saw it in the latest superman film superman man of tomorrow i was not a fan of that it just seemed really bright the animation and like sort of hurting my eyes at times so and i and we're also seeing that with the new justice society of america film that's coming out later this month so i was like i don't know this one however I'm still not huge on the animation, but there's something probably about the darker colors that it's not quite in my face as much, so I think I can maybe get past it. Yep, like you guys say, Jen Ackles as the Batman. That's awesome. I'm super excited to see that. All the voice casts sound great. I just hope, again, for me, it's all about this story. This story is very important to me and important to a lot of fans. I hope they show it the respect it deserves, and I hope we don't get a hush situation so the problem i have with the batman hush animated film is that it's very similar to the long halloween in terms of it's this long telling mystery throughout a long period of time but what they did in the animated film is that the reveal they've i don't know if you've seen it tom but for me they very stupefied the reveal and made it very simple the whole film like it's just a very simple story nothing exciting about it and i was like how oh, you kind of butchered the hush storyline so I don't want them to do that here. I want them to actually just do what Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb did, you know. And in regards to um, the, the, the artwork, to what you said, Tom, yes, that artwork is fantastic, but there's no way you can animate that. That, that is just such a, 
a unique and distinct art style. You know, Batman's got like 50 centimeter long ears and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's crazy stuff, but it's epic. I, I, you know, as a comic, it's amazing. You know, that is pure comic shit right there. But animated uh, movies, well, I don't know if you can get away with that. So, yeah, I'm excited to see it, but I'm still hesitant on the animation, but we'll see. Uh, right, so let's head over to the Marvel news then. Not much news apart from a couple of trailers. So I think that's pretty big news in itself. You know, first of all, we got a Black Widow trailer. Now, when they when I saw that this had dropped, I thought, oh, what the hell? Not another trailer for this film. But I thought, you know, because they've moved the dates and because, you know, it's now on Disney Plus, I thought, well, give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's have a look at this trailer. And you know what? <laughs> I am now really pumped for this film again. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was the the use of the Avengers theme in this film or some of the really cool action set pieces we saw. I absolutely love Florence Pugh. I can't wait to see her in action in this film. I really like how little they're showing us of Taskmaster because, you know, they, they really seem to be saving him or her for, for the film. Uh, and the stuff that they have shown, seem, we've seen in other trailers before, bit more to the plot but and you know i just really like this trailer i'm totally on board for this now it's made me excited again for this film uh, but dave what do you think yeah well i wasn't as uh burned out by trailers for uh black widow to be honest i i felt that we had had a moderate amount we had four of... trailers this is the fifth this is the fifth yeah, I trailer I, I just didn't <laughs> i'll i'll say you know <laughs> uh was uh, no time to die. That's all I'll say. No time to freaking die. That's that's. In terms, I'll just compare any film to that. And the amount of times I've had to see that fucking trailer, then I uh, I just think that anything else, like I've not seen that much. And I don't know. I just never felt that I was overseeing Black Widow. And if I did, maybe it was just the MCU fan in me was kind of blinded. But I still think that they did a good job of restraining the footage. They weren't like showing us too much. They weren't putting like TV spots and third trailers fourth trailers fifth trailers like they were with no time to die whereas i felt even though there were four trailers before you know they were just remixed versions of what we had already seen so i think that this one goes to show and prove that there was a lot that we hadn't seen already so i think that this trailer was doing a lot of what they possibly would have done in the final few weeks of that film coming out it's like really getting you excited with the legacy of the character but then also showing you a bit more about the story and what is going to be the emotional crux of this film, whereas before we had only really had sort of like action trailers. So I think that that's where this film benefited compared to films like Mulan and No Time to Die, in which they had very much shown the entire film beforehand, whereas I think that this trailer was proof that there was a lot that we haven't seen and there were just a lot of repeated shots and and sequences that we were seeing so i'm still really excited you know i was still pretty excited even when you know it kept getting delayed because i just didn't feel that it had the fatigue that other films were getting they were it was spaced out enough and those other films were taking the hits you know they were like oh bond will be the film to return cinemas and then it wasn't you know black widow was never that film thankfully mulan was kind of there like <laughs> holding herself up in front of her friend natasha like i'll take the blow <laughs> you know natasha's like thanks fellow female heroine so uh i feel that 
now we know that we are definitely getting it uh, because it's going to be on Premiere Access, then I'm a lot more excited. I feel that this was a really epic trailer. I loved, like, the more so, like, orchestral, like, choir coming in at the end when it was like, oh, and, you know, it's, like, very Russian vibes you get from it, especially. And playing with the kind of white and red motif as well is really fun, like, matching her costume, but also, you know, the, the colors we sort of, associate with Black Widow from her logo and her hair and all that kind of stuff. I think that that, that is really cool. And it just gives this trailer a different vibe. Again, I just have to compare it to something like No Time to Die, in which you just watch it and go, yeah, that's the same tra you know, trailer remix. That's the same logo. That's the same storyline. Here, you know, they were using past footage to pad it out a bit, but I think they did it in an effective way. And it, it was did very much come across then as a different film, a different trailer. And thankfully you had different logos and all that kind of stuff to keep it mixed up. So yeah, I'm really excited for it. And I, I think that potentially what some people might've written off as just like, oh, it's just some past story that's just filling fill in the space in the MCU. I think there will be stuff in this film which will possibly add to the MCU and to the to the universe overall. So I'm, I'm excited for that. What do you think, Tom? Uh, yeah, basically the same. Um, I'm very excited for this film now. There was a lot about the trailer that I liked, Taskmaster especially being one of them. Just that one scene of them like falling through the air and he's just like, or she as we said, they are just like, yeah, just scraping down that. I don't know what it is. It's part of a plane that's blown up, I guess. I don't know. But it looked cool. But yeah, I've always like loved Taskmaster in, in the comics. Um, he, he's a great character in the comics because he can serve as both just like you sort of comical like villain henchman who's just like always making some just like wry jokes and that or he can actually be a very serious character because he is a threat i mean he, at some point or another he's like taken down like every avenger at least once pretty much i'm sure he's soloed an entire team on multiple occasions um his current run sees him like basically head to head with black widow and he's like holding his own against black widow the most dangerous woman in the marvel universe so i'm very much looking forward to seeing more of him or her on screen i think like 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 you guys said they're not giving us too much information about taskmaster or Ray Winston's character, who's uh, uh, Ray Winston's in this film, apparently. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm okay mm -hmm. with it, but just, I didn't know until I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's Ray Winston. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I, I, I'm just glad this movie's finally coming out and that I can finally see it. I still maintain that this is a film that should have been made like years ago. Not just because of like, obviously, Black Widow's dead now and this is taking place in the past in the MCU but just the fact that I feel like she'd earned a solo film way before now after Iron Man 2 she'd earned a solo film she's Black fucking Widow she's one of the best Marvel characters one of the most interesting characters and then you, you've basically got a spy franchise within your big comic franchise it's a big like, crossover hit I mean it's just crazy that it's taken them this long essentially so it'll be glad to finally see it. Looking forward to Florence Pugh's take on uh, Yelena as well. And David Harbour as Red Guardian is going to be an absolute delight, I think. I'm already loving him in the trailer. Although, weirdly, it's just reignited my anger for The Boys Season 2 for reducing Love Sausage down to just, like, a quick joke. 
because I wanted him to be like what Dave Harbour is basically as Red Guardian in this film. So, yeah, um, I, I'm very excited for this and just glad that we can finally see it, enjoy it, talk about it and see where it's going to take the MCU from there. Because I imagine there's going to possibly be a new Black Widow by the end of it. Oh, yeah. Yelena, I've been saying since it was announced, Elena's going to be taking the mantle. I don't know, as Black Widow or maybe as White Widow. We'll see. But um, I'd also like to point out, I'm really looking forward to the family dynamic in this film between all four of them, Natasha, Yelena, um, Rachel Weiss's character and David Harbour's character, Red Guardian. Because you can see in the trailer, there seems to be like some flashback scenes of, you know, this, that typical Marvel de-aging going on when the, the two girls are young girls. But then again, I don't know if, that, if they're actually, you know, father and daughter, like, you know, the, the natural way. Or if it was like the Red Room or something that was some, somewhat manipulating them. Because in the trailer as well, you get Rachel Weiss saying to Natasha, you know, we had our orders. We had to do what we had to do. You know, and then I think it's Elena says um, something. It was real to me, you know what I mean? So there's all sort of these little family dynamics saying, oh, like, you know, we got, we're family, but then I'm questioning, are they family? Is there some more sinister plot of the Red Room stuff for that? And I'm also questioning Rachel Weiss's character because every time we see them on screen fighting Taskmaster, Rachel Weiss's character is on screen. Pretty sure her character is a villain in the comics, isn't it? So it's a bit well, this like... is what I mean. So <laughs> I, I've got a sneaky suspicion she could be Taskmaster. You know, if she isn't, whatever, that's fine. I'm not the writer of the of the the movie. They probably got a better idea than me. But still, I wouldn't be surprised, and it would be a cool twist as well. So yeah, I'm totally pumped at this movie. And also to go on what you said about the music, the Avengers theme is cool, but that new Black Widow theme that they've been using in the last couple of trailers now. I really like it. And I hope it's not one of those just use it for the trailer sort of thing. Like, I want it in the soundtrack. Anyway, speaking of Black Widow, we see her again in the next trailer. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Loki trailer. <laughs> um, this trailer that we've been talked about for ages now, how we're excited for this show. We saw the trailer, the Disney Invest today. We thought, oh, that looks interesting. Looks a bit darker, a bit weird. But then we get this full trailer it's all out weird. Owen Wilson is doing his Owen Wilson thing. That I I just absolutely love this trailer. I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. This you know I've lo- I really liked WandaVision because it's you know the kooky, the weirdness and stuff like that. Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm not as gripped into as I was with WandaVision. You know it is a bit more straight edge. But this one, judging from the trailer, I'm like oh. This is this is gonna take the weirdness of one division and dial it up to twenty. I think I can't wait for this. Uh, Tom, what did you think of this crazy trailer? I mean, yeah, it's basically like you said, it's it's like they've taken all the craziest stuff they've done in Marvel so far and just gone now add time travel and God of Mischief, and it's it <laughs> just looks beautifully insane. And I just like. The- <laughs> The one bit that always gets me is like when, like, I think it's Owen Wilson presses that button, Loki falls through the floor, and it's just that guy there, just like, <laughs> please sign off that this is everything you've ever said. Well, that's absurd. Sign this as well. Sign I just, <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, like, like going from the trailer, it's to 
bit difficult to see exactly what the plot is going to be because like obviously it seems to be setting up like loki's going to help them fix all these time anomalies but then the way the trailer goes it's like well that looks like the, what they were trying to do but then loki's going to like escape and lead them on a chase through time maybe it's both maybe it's neither all i know is just i'm i'm probably more excited for this than any other marvel property that's been announced so far i mean like i said i loved wandavision i loved the weirdness of that I'm actually loving Falcon and Winter Soldier probably more than I was loving WandaVision, if I'm honest so far. Although, see what happens in these last two episodes. Loki, though, it's just, it looks like it ticks all the boxes for me. I love weird sci-fi shit. I love time travel stories. I love Loki. I love Owen Wilson. And I just think it's it's going to be a one-of-a-kind show. And, like, hearing them talk about the the because I think, uh, Jake, you shared this to our chat the other day about basically them saying like the film is essentially just like about identity and all that and that kind of tracks with like what i've said before about like loki in the comics like especially in a solo series it's often about him like fighting destiny or trying to like change like the perception of him he doesn't want to be the god of mischief anymore maybe he wants to be something else but destiny always tells him no this is what you are and it's caused some really heartbreaking stories before in the comics kid loki so i'm hoping that um <laughs> I'm hoping that we'll be able to get that. Like, as, as weird and as funny as this show is definitely going to be, I also think that, especially as you come towards the tail end of it, it's going to be a lot of heaviness, a lot of pathos, and I think we're going to really get to see Tom Hiddleston, like, really shine in this role because he is a fantastic actor. So just, I'm always glad to see more of him and more of him as Loki. So, yeah, pro proper excited for this. And I just, I, I kind of want it to be out now already. Because and I'm all I know they're going to be releasing it weekly, but can they not? Can they not just? I I know like we've we've said before about like our oh, people wanting all these things like to binge at once. Now now I'm back to that. Okay, I want to binge these things all at once. I think it all depends on what type of story they're telling. Now, One Division, I absolutely loved the weekly format because it was designed in a way to be a weekly format. Some of the issues I have with Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that they've said that we've made a six-hour film. And it shows like the, the for me, it doesn't feel as if it's episodic television. It feels like it's several parts of a film, which is why it's not as gelling with me as a TV show as maybe I was like. So depending on how they've approached this, you know, I think they have kind of said it is a similar way of approaching the Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, a six hour film. But then again, you know, there might be more interesting, you know, plot threads and characters and stuff like that. That might interest me more than what's happening in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But I also do think this is probably going to be really dark. I mean, just from the music and the way it's lighted and everything, it's a really dark and eerie show, but it's got that, you know, element of comedy from Loki. I think it's going to, and obviously Owen Wilson. So it's going to be like a dark comedy. I, you know, you pointed out the scene where he has to sign everything he said. I go to the, the last bit of the trailer. He was like, I can't trust you. You've literally stabbed people yeah. in the back 50 times. He's like, mm -hmm. well, I won't do it again. I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And I, I, from the small snippets we've seen of the chemistry between Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, I am so there for it. And it looks to me now, we, we caught a glimpse in the first trailer, but there's a couple more shots of this character. We've seen the character with the lamp and the hood. I think that seems to be our antagonist because it looks like they might be after that character, whoever that character is. And I also like how they're really tying it to Endgame in terms of how time works 
you know, when um, the ancient one is explaining how time works to Bruce Banner, you know, you take the, the stone out of this place, multiple realities are created, and you see that there in the TVA by Loki coming out of the timeline in Avengers 2012. This is time travel. It's confusing. <laughs> it starts yeah. to, you know, you see on the visual screen, everything starts to split up. So, yeah, I think it's going to be like Tom said, a time traveling adventure to maybe correct what Loki's done. But I think there's going to be a lot more to it. Uh, Dave, where do you go with this? Yeah, similar to you guys, I'm really loving the sort of darker tone that it's taking. Uh, it looks really crazy and psychotic. I think that the music, like you pointed out, Jake, I love that. I hope, like we said with it in Black Widow, I hope that this music is in the series as well because it's just the the vibe it gives off, that kind of weird synthy kind of Tim Burton opening they have when they're in the TVA and then later on just turning really chaotic and like the you know the the violins and percussion and everything coming in really heavily I think that that all suits Loki really well because of that element of chaos and yeah just visually I think this as well to me looks one of the most cinematic of the series we've had so far as well in that you've seen a lot of shots and a lot of sequences where you're like wow that really is even though we had something like Falcon going through the canyon and everything in Falcon with Soldier, you know, we've seen by this stage that that very much was like an opening set piece. Whereas this seems to have something like that potentially every episode or, you know, you're seeing so many different situations and so many CG environments and stuff. It's it's crazy how much they seem to have thrown at it. And I, I will say... To sort of push back on what Jake said about the, you know, they said what Falcon Winter Soldier was a six-hour movie. They did, I think they have said that these are all essentially six-hour movies. So I don't think it's fair to maybe say that, oh, Falcon Winter Soldier was pitched as the six-hour movie. Because I think pretty much all of them have been pitched like that. But I do agree that that show definitely appears as a six-hour movie split up. And I think it's because it's got this kind of mystery mission element to it whereas WandaVision obviously benefits because it's literally a sitcom per week. But I think this, to me as well, looks like it's going to benefit from the fact that potentially it's going to be a bit more episodic and what they should be doing in the future, which is, hey, this week Loki's going to go sort the problem in this timeline, and this week Loki's going to go sort the problem in this timeline, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which could lead to what we're seeing. You know, this week Loki becomes president. This week Loki, you know, finds himself in some sci-fi world. You know, it's, it's all that kind of stuff. I think we'll turn I out well. I think all that's great. And that sounds like a great science fiction pulpy type show. But can you do that in six episodes? Because you've also got to tell the main story of what you're doing. Well, if it is the element of Loki needs to fix the timeline, then yeah, I think potentially it, it it's again, it just depends on the way they structure it and how they they sort of plan out the series essentially rather than it just be like this this handle this as one continuous story like again a great example is like the, the last series of the boys they sort of knew they had those first three episodes and they told that as very much a successive story over the three episodes and then as they got into the weekly uh, episodes they might have just been lucky but they did then start to turn into more contained episodes and the story evolved from there and it was very much the same there you were like how are they going to wrap this up in in this many episodes so I think they can do that with Loki. I think that it's a, a tight enough story that they can do that. Yeah, and I, I don't think that they... It doesn't look like they're telling this massive end-of-the-world sort of story. It's very much a contained sort of Loki story, but happening in lots of different crazy situations. But it depends on the way they structure them. Like I said, if it is going to turn into Loki's there as the president, and then we end that episode and then pick it up the next one, I don't think that's going to work. That's going to go back to the problems that Jake was talking about. But if you start to have the MCU go in the... the 
area I think we want it to go in with projects like Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk. I think they have to do stuff like that because, again, why would you have a courtroom setting which doesn't solve, start the case and solve the case within one episode? So they need to start doing that here, I think, of having a kind of beginning and an end. And if they don't, they just need to be like, right, here's the beginning and the end to the series, and this is what's going to happen each episode. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. I think, like Tom, it's going to be unfortunate that we're not going to sort of lead into this directly after Falcon and Winter Soldier, we will feel that gap now after having so much Marvel for so many weeks, even though we only had, like, say, a two-week gap in between. Uh, it will be unfortunate to have to wait a bit longer for this one, but I'm loving the humor. I love the two moments you guys mentioned uh, with, the, you know, the everything you said and the stabbing you in the back. I also like how that guy who was in that office with everything you said had a mug of, like, his cat. <laughs> like, the cat was in the corner, and then his mug had, like, a picture of his cat. And I was like, it's just little elements like that, which is what I think will go back to what we had with WandaVision as well. Like, oh, look at that reference. Look at this. You know, loads of things from the comics, loads of things to pull from. Whereas, again, Falcon Winter Soldier just isn't that type of story. Whereas I think this will have a whole hive of references and loads of things to pick up on and loads of fun, kooky stuff, which was which was really fun and was kind of my jam in in uh, WandaVision. Right, so that's all the news done. So let's go into our weekly comics poll list. Well, after X-Men hit at the box office, all the studios started buying up every comic property they could get their dirty little hands on. So, okay, we'll start off with a non-Marvel DC one this week. I'm still doing my usual thing of two Marvel, two DC, one other. So we're coming back to Boom Studios. It's issue two of Grant Morrison's new comic, Proctor Valley Roads. I definitely urge you all to pick up the first uh, issue of that as well. It's, uh, it's it's shaping up to be quite a good little series. And there is obviously talk of it eventually becoming a TV show. So uh, become a hipster and get in before it becomes cool. Moving then on to Marvel, we've got Daredevil, issue 29, coming from Chip Zdarsky. Electra has taken over the mantle of Daredevil, and it's entertaining. I mean, I love me some Electra. Um, her costume as Daredevil is fucking fantastic as well. The artwork is great, and Chip is a fantastic writer, so you definitely want to be picking that up. Then also at Marvel, we've got continuing on with the King in Black storyline. We've got Fantastic Four issue 30. Currently, half the Fantastic Four are actually nullified basically means they're controlled by the symbiote god make of that what you will and there's also some other crazy cosmic shit that's uh, rearing its head as well causing some issues um and some big revelations are promised so definitely want to pick that up swinging on over then to dc we've got superman issue 30 uh coming out this week uh, some interesting storylines are being set up in the superman world at the moment and it's safe now bendis isn't writing for him also, we've got Rorschach issue 7 coming out. Uh, it's been a wild series so far. It's some of Tom King's best work, I think, at DC. I know Jake has definitely been loving it. Uh, and this this, this is just, I mean, just it gets better each issue, basically. So if you haven't started picking it up, pick it up already because it's so damn good. And uh, yeah, so that is my comics pull list. So just to list them off again quickly, it's Proctor Valley Road issue 2, Daredevil 29, Fantastic Four issue 30, Superman issue 30, and Rorschach issue 7. Nice, nice. As you mentioned, I'm absolutely picking up Rorschach. I think, like you said, Tom, it's probably Tom King's... Oh, I don't want to say it's his best work at DC because I absolutely <laughs> love his Mr. Miracle Yeah, um, that exists. Run. 
Yeah, that and exists. There are, you know? <laughs> there, there are some great runs within his Batman. Some, no, let's not talk about the gift, uh, but there uh, were n- some... Nightmare <laughs> as well. That was a bit... Uh... Yeah. But, but other yeah. than that... <laughs> yeah, fantastic writer, obviously. We talked about his vision run. So yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal writer. So I pick up anything he's doing. And obviously he's taking on Rorschach. I love the Watchmen universe. And I particularly love that he's made this in continuity with the Watchmen TV show that was on HBO. So that's just brownie points for me. Um, I'm obviously going to be picking up <laughs> Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil because why are you not picking that run up? It is arguably, you know, I would probably say the best Daredevil run since Frank Miller. Don't shoot me, but <laughs> I think No, it it's okay. I'm not going to shoot you because that means people will take Bendis out of contention. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's had, he's had some decent runs on that, but I, I still think Chip Sadowski's run on Daredevil is yeah. absolutely he, fantastic. He has been phenomenal. He's yeah. been absolutely phenomenal. He's a great writer anyway, so... Definitely be picking up that, and I might pick up Superman uh, because, yes, I wasn't particularly a big fan of Bendis' take on Superman, so now that a new writer's on board, I might check that out. The Daredevil one, to me, was the one that started most interesting because it... Again, it's going with that idea of it isn't just like, oh, it's the same person for like, you know, seven, eight hundred issues. Like, I like that they can pass over the mantles. You can mix it up a bit. And yeah, I never thought of like Electra doing that. And I'm like, oh, that's I mean, Iron Fist was once uh, a daredevil as well. Back when I I think it was during the Civil War arc, uh, Matt was trying to like prove that he wasn't daredevil or something. So Danny Rand was the daredevil with the Iron Fist for a bit. So yeah not sure if that works as much <laughs> in my head but yeah Electra seems more of a natural fit <laughs> and it leads to some good stuff when they adapt this stuff because like you had with Black Panther and we might have with uh, what was I thinking of uh, Captain Marvel you can have this element of like oh well that character becomes Captain Marvel in the interview and people are like oh well you need to watch out for her then so you know that that's what works out well for when these characters make the big screen as well because sort of the thing I think them. in the big screen like legacy characters are just going to have to be the default whereas in comics it's like we'll try out these new legacy characters and they either stick for like several years or they just like fail completely um, with with, yeah. with film and TV though, you kind of you, you have to if you want to keep these characters going for say many years, you're gonna have to just accept legacy characters are a thing and that they're normal. And I'm hoping this will actually translate to the comics because one of my big issues with comics is how afraid they are of like letting legacy characters actually carry on the mantle. I mean, like Wally West was the Flash for twenty years. That's one example of like when it's actually worked. And then obviously they brought Barry back and they've done my boy Wally really dirty. And Tom King especially is not in my good books because of stuff with do with Wally West. <laughs> is that right? Heroes in Crisis? Let's... God. God alive. Well, yeah. With that, that brings us to the end of the show. We've had some really cool trailers to discuss. We've had some difficult yet important issues that we've had to talk about. But, you know... We try to keep it as light as possible on this show, but sometimes these things have to be addressed. But if you want more of hot film takes and uh, some political stances, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sweaty Jake, and you can get all my hot film takes 
on Letterbox at Jake Hart. But Dave and Tom, how about you guys? What are you getting up to and where can the people find you? Twitter, as per usual, at Gapperboy. Just, yeah, basically same. If, if you want, like, it's more specifically aimed at comics, my rants, than, like, the TV shows and that. But if you do want that in your life, um, I do deliver some hot, hot takes. Um, and I'm still campaigning for Cap Wolf to be a thing before this Falcon Winter Soldier series is done. So find me at Gapperboy, and together we can make Cap Wolf a reality. Uh, yeah, you can catch me at Twitter as well, David Osgar, O-S-G-A-R. You can also catch me on Letterbox, where uh, there won't be so much hot takes, just weird takes of, like, why am I watching this, like, 1960s <laughs> Godzilla film? Um, in which uh, I point out that uh, Godzilla gets pwned by two babies in uh, one of them. Uh, so that's always fun. You can also catch me on YouTube at Fresh Take Hub uh, is the YouTube channel where I did my Spider-Man video essay, which is worth pointing out because apparently Collider has gone and stolen my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Jake, for pointing that out. No, I'm joking, but happy to see the love for Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man. So uh, jump on board and I'm waiting for that, uh, that sweet Far From Home trailer to come out in, in which I can have a reason to talk about it and share it again hell yeah <laughs> so uh go check it out before like tom says be a hipster now before it becomes cool i just want to point out if anyone from collider is listening dave does not speak for Cape scales and Martin totally <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to collab with me i'm still up for it if you <laughs> i'm cool with it as well hey, I'm, I'm, not, if, I'm not busy if anybody wants to share that video from collider then i you know i'm definitely yeah, your best friend <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, and as for the show, we're also on Twitter and Facebook at Capes, Cows, Masks. And if you're listening to us on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple, whatever it is, subscribe, follow us, leave a rating, leave a review. It all helps us go up in the ranking. And the best thing as you can do, as I say every week, let keep, let's keep expanding this family and recommend us to all your geeky and nerdy friends. So, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Draw.